um, basically he, when he talks about wealth, he frames it like money, making money is a skill, nothing more, nothing less. Yeah. And so okay. once I've learned that, then the theory is that Navalin, if he was in a thousand parallel universes, Navalin 999 of them would be rich. I'm like, you know, I remember <laughs> a time when like, you know, you want to be an astronaut or like a, a mathematician, a physicist, a yeah. doctor, whatever. And it's like yeah, 80% sure. of your population today wants to be an influencer. Happy Friday, everybody. I hope you guys have enjoyed your week so far. I know that I have. Uh, if this is your first time tuning in for the week, uh, please consider checking out the previous two episodes that I dropped. The one with George Bush was amazing. And also Natalie Castro was phenomenal. Um, this week has been pretty nuts for me. My wife uh, got COVID. So I've been taking care of her, but I've been pushing out a lot of content uh, in the meantime. So please, if you're not following me on Twitter, go check it out. Dalton K. Jensen and uh, follow the podcast and join the newsletter, daltonkjensen.com. With all that being said, I'd like to introduce my next guest, Nick Ning, who I met in Sean Puri's writing cohort. Uh, him and I are very similar. So this time it was just fun to talk with somebody on the same level and to just bounce ideas off of each other and learn from each other. And that's what you'll get in this episode. It was absolutely fantastic. So without further ado, please welcome Nick Ning and make sure you share this with your friends. Thanks so much for listening. Welcome, everybody. This is Don Jensen, and you're tuning into The Thinking Project. What's up, brother? How are you? Hey, I'm good. I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. <laughs> good, dude. Uh, so we met through Sean Puri's course, dude. So tell me real quick, like, how did you find Sean Puri and his course? You know what, man, this is, um, I, I wrote him this in his feedback where, I mean, it was kind of a little bit using the things that we learned in the course, like writing a compelling <laughs> headline kind of thing. And I, and I wrote that he saved my life and it sounds a little melodramatic and it sounds like, you know, really far on that spectrum of trying to get somebody's attention, but I didn't mean it. Um, yeah, I live in Vancouver, Canada and I don't know if you've ever been. No, I no. So I've I've actually always wanted to go to Canada, but I've never been. Why do you want to come to Canada? I have never been. Like I think <laughs> Toronto would be cool. Okay. Vancouver would be cool. Yeah. Um. I I've seen stuff on dude. I'm like your typical American, so don't make fun of me. But I've just seen stuff on TV, and I'm like, oh, that looks really pretty. Maybe we should go. <laughs> oh, look, they got some bears. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> yeah, yeah man. I I live in Vancouver, and so. Like people all over the world, like know Vancouver and it's this really beautiful place. And we got mountains. Like you can go skiing, snowboarding and surfing all in the same day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so from a nature wise city's beautiful. The people, I don't want to generalize, but the people just, they, they, they kind of <laughs> suck. And whenever um, I want to talk about, it's not even like existentialism, but it's like shooting the shit on a, I don't know if I can cuss on this podcast. Yeah, like, go ahead, dude. You know, shooting the shit on, on business ideas. Like there, there's this problem. What can we do to, you know, either leverage technology or push the boundaries of innovation to solve this? And there's just none of that. And <laughs> things move really slow here. I think our stake to fame was hosting the Olympics and inventing Lululemon. That's pretty <laughs> much what we got. And people walk around here like we're like New York or something. <laughs> so anyways, I'm always like, 
mm, a little bit depressed. And I don't even know how I, st- I don't remember how I stumbled on um, my first million. I, I don't remember. But I listened to this, like, I just listened to one episode and it just something just like struck me. And then I just binged it. I just, every, every day I was just binging my first million. And the funniest part is when I was listening to this podcast, um, Sam has like a really excitable energy, right? Like he's just like, he just yeah. seems like a really excitable guy. And Sean Prory is more just like, ha ha ha, you know, got like this real calm kind of demeanor. When I was yeah, listening yeah. to it, I had them confused because <laughs> Sean Prory was like, he's an Indian guy. And yeah. so I always thought he, he just came out. It's not like he's fresh off the boat, but like he was the one who was excitable and he has all these ideas. He wanted to do that. And then <laughs> Sam would be the ones like, Oh yeah. Ha ha. That's cool, dude. <laughs> and then when I saw it for the first time, I'm like, wait, hold up. Yeah. yeah. You're the other person. <laughs> um, but finding this community has just like shown me and especially being in this power writing course, has shown me like people from all walks of life. There was a guy in that course doing the, doing the thing in his car. Yeah. You know, there's a, there's a guy who's like, I, I want to say pushing in his sixties. There's just people from all walks of life. And it was just fascinating. It was great. Yeah. I mean, when I, I was excited to hear about, so I actually didn't know I've heard, I heard of my first million, but I actually knew Sam Parr from the hustle. So I have that, mm. I get their newsletter. And, uh, and I didn't even know Sean Puri was like involved with that. I followed Sean, one of his tweets went viral and I was like, oh, that's really cool. So I, I followed him and then he had this course and I was like, well, dude, I really did want to learn about writing. I went to school, I went to college for accounting and I've been a sales guy my whole life. And that's just the weird, this weird combo, but I didn't really want to learn marketing. Like I don't really care about marketing, but I, I wanted to know like digital selling. So like mostly copywriting and headlines and stuff like that. So I was like, really, really curious, but it's funny that you mentioned, uh, you got them mixed up because when you said that it reminded me of, do you know who, I mean, you obviously they're big names, but do you know who Jocko Willink is? Yeah. 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 Okay. And Leaf and Leaf Babin. No. So, jo- so Jocko Willink and Leaf Babin both wrote, uh, they co-wrote, uh, extreme ownership. And then yeah. I, I think they even both co-wrote, uh, their other book, um, Oh, I do the titles escaping me right now, but yeah, but I would think like, if you hear them on like talking, you like Leaf Babin has a really deep voice and he's really, <laughs> you know, and, and Jocko has, is like bubbly and, you know, not bubbly, but he's a little more talkative, a little more, but like Leaf Babin has this really, and if you look at him, you think they're di- like the voices don't match. Right. And I'm like, and then you see him in light, like <laughs> you see him and I'm like, what the freak? Yeah, because I did. You guys should you guys should have different voice. You need to swap voices, and then this makes a lot more sense. <laughs> because Leaf Babin's like he's a smaller. I mean, he's a don't get me wrong. He's a badass, and he and he beat the shit out of me for sure. But he's like he he he's just he's a little bit shorter. He's a little bit leaner than Jocko, but he's got this like really deep voice. And I'm like, what the freak, man? <laughs> it's funny, dude. It's way funny. So, uh, but it was cool to be in that course. Cause I really feel like that's where education is going. I don't feel, I feel like traditional education is dead. I I'm, yeah, I'm right there with you. And it's just like, you know, you know, what's really funny. Like you, you say that you were, um, exposed to either Sean or, or following him mm-hmm. or exposed to him through, through Twitter. Mm-hmm. 
I remember I'm, I'm 31. I remember when I was in high school and I took this like comp sci class, you know, this yeah. was like grade, grade 10 or something. And one of my teachers for one of our, our classes is setting up a Twitter account. And you know, everyone's first tweet is hello world. And they just thought it was the stupidest thing in the world. <laughs> I was like, nobody wants to know what I'm having for breakfast. Like, I'm not going to do this. Like Twitter's going to be dead. No, like my space is here. I'm just going to use my MSN and like my AOL. I'm good yeah. to go. And like, yeah. pfft, you know, <laughs> Twitter now. And so I always yeah, had like this shit that like, this was a fad, you know, I'm not, I'm a contrarian, not going to buy into this whole shtick. And I remember this episode where Sam and Sean were breaking down their tools and they're just like, um, what, what do you use? Um, I mean, I'll give them a shout out. Like, what do you use as your CRM? They're going to say HubSpot, right? To like yeah. manage your contacts. It's like, what do you use to um, create groups? Facebook. What do you use to get a one-on-one with someone who's not in your network? Twitter. I'm like, wait, what? Twitter? And then I tried this. I like cold messaged Umbology after I heard their podcast. Yeah. I'm like, hey, dude, just heard you on the pod. Huge fan. Love what you had to say. Um, and then it's like, what, what do you think about this idea? And he just like wrote me this reply and it blew my mind. Like you're like, you're close to a billionaire. If you're not a billionaire and you have, yeah. you have time to go write a stranger a tweet. It's like, what? Well, it was nuts. You know, yeah. You know, what's funny is, uh, I didn't leverage Twitter enough at the beginning of my podcast because Twitter's like for a few years, like. A couple of years ago, Twitter got a bad rap. What's up, everybody? This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Sauced Up Salsa. And Sauced Up Salsa, with so many different flavors to choose from, when you add in their homemade chips, they're perfect for family nights, day nights, and really, anytime you need chips and salsa. The best part, I know the owner personally, and he puts all of his heart and soul into every recipe they put out. Their locally sourced ingredients are fire roasted to perfection every time making it the best salsa you'll have in your life. So with the best salsa out there, what are you waiting for? Go visit saucedupsalsa.com. And when you sign up for their newsletter, you'll get 10% off your order. So go visit saucedupsalsa.com and tell them that the thinking project sent you. And like people were off of it, but now it's kind of booming. So I stayed away from it, but that's exactly right, dude. Like people who have 17 million followers on Instagram only have 3000 on Twitter, but they're active. You know, and it's not coming from like a social media manager. It's not coming from like later or, or repost or whatever. It's coming from like them. Yeah. And so, but they only have 3000 followers on Twitter and I'm like, what the heck? So I would find people who had seven, 17 million people on, on Instagram or whatever. And then I would go to their Twitter and they've got like 4,000, but they're posting every day. And so I would DM them on Twitter and they that's would answer such a Twitter. hack. Yeah. Dude, that's such a hack. Yeah. Nobody is. It's like this real weird it's unless they're like, so there's a few people who don't, right? Like there's some big people who, who have just like Gary V, for example, mm-hmm. he, it doesn't matter where he is on what platform he's on. He's got hundreds of thousands. Right. Yeah. So, but, but it's a hack for like getting those, you know, when Sean was like, he was talking about getting guests for his podcast, like C listers to B to A, it's a real easy way to, you know, to skip whatever and go right to A because I did I saw this guy on Glenn Beck and, I, uh, and I just saw a clip, but I was like, I like that guy's book. I don't really like Glenn Beck or like this whole thing, but I really like that guy's book. Um, and I looked him up on Twitter. I looked him up on Instagram at the time 
I don't have Instagram anymore, but when I had Instagram, I looked them up. I was like 10 million followers. This dude's not going to read a DM. He probably doesn't even look at Instagram, bro. He just, and then I went to his Twitter and he had like 15,000 followers, not a lot for Twitter. And he was posting every day and replying to people. So I hop on there and he's like, oh yeah, dude, here's my, here's my, uh, you know what I mean? Here's my manager. Like, go ahead. Let's, let's set something up. I'm like, dude, this is insanity. Yeah. It's crazy, dude. So yeah, I think, uh, I think Twitter is coming back and I think it's uh, I think it's a great place to be, especially if you use it right. What are they, what are they trading at? Like 60 bucks? Are they really? <laughs> oh no, dude, that's crazy. So, uh, but we were talking about in Slack when we were discussing doing this together, bro. Um, just like what, what we have going on and, and kind of sounds like we're in the same boat, but like what, you know, and you mentioned earlier, you were looking, you know, you like talking about these, business ideas and innovation. What do you got going on right now? What kind of projects you got going on? Um, the, the project that's kind of at the forefront and it, it, and it's just like a problem that I sit with every night yeah. is um, what the company does. The, the company is called sweet and it's a, it's a property technology company. It's, you know, the easy way to explain it is if uh, Airbnb and we work had a baby Oh, That's, cool. It's kind of like what Sweet does. So what Sweet is, is um, we, this is kind of like where I need to sit with it and be able to craft a narrative that's more simplistic to understand. But, you know, yeah. there's a couple of problems that we see, or at least I see in the downtown core in Vancouver is I look around and there's all these condos, right? And you, you take a look at any one of those condos. They take about four to five years to build, right? Take a really long time Granted, you know, permitting is probably a year and that kind of stuff, but mm -hmm. like who made the rule that everything has to be like brought onto the site and then you're building everything like on the site, you're mixing the concrete on the site. And so you have all these constraints, you know, you're constrained by having traffic and the weather yeah. you know, and all this stuff. So like, why wouldn't you just build everything in a factory and then just like, you know, you don't build Lego, you assemble Lego. So if you built everything in the factory, you've built your blocks, right? So then yeah. you just like ship it onto the site and then you put it together. Um, in Vancouver, we have a, a building called Brock Commons and it was built using this methodology. It's called prefabrication. It's, you know, yeah. it's not uh -huh. anything really new, right? but it's an 18 story building. They put it up in 72 days, right? So yeah, it's dude. one of the highest um, wood structures in the world. So that's, that's one of the problems that we solve. It's, it's a sustainable way of building. It's faster. It's more cost effective. You get more quality assurance, less waste, more recycling, all that good stuff. Yeah. yeah. The heart of it. And the thing that I want to solve though, is I've lived here for like five years <laughs> and I have a closer relationship with you than I do with <laughs> anybody like five feet down from me. Yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. And, and that's, right. that's so crazy that the people that we see in this like virtual digital environment mm -hmm. is a closer community than anything we see in the physical. And that has ramifications on how we live our lives. Yeah. And yeah. Like lowers the value. You don't feel connected to your community. There is no community. Right. So like, how right. do we solve that? So within these condos, when we put them up, we've designed them to maximize what we call collision points. So like when you go into any condo today, your ground floor is like a lobby with maybe some mailboxes right? Yeah. No value. We take that out. We put a cafe in there. So everyone's always like mingling around. Okay. 
second floor, it's usually like, you know, either an elevator shaft or you have uh, the first level of residences. Mm-hmm. We stripped that out and now that's a communal work area. So you can come down there, you can mingle with people, you can work. You can use that space to host events like, you know, something that Sam and Sean would use. And on the rooftop, instead of like a gym or a pool, we have a lounge. So we curate talent around the city and we bring them up every Friday to like host events and stuff. Oh, it's meant dope. to be like kind of a Studio 54 experience, which is like a one-stop shop. You come here yeah. and we leverage things like, you know, a building would have its internal Facebook so everyone can communicate. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, right? a, like, like it's a, just table stakes kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. But imagine that entire cohort that we just went through and it's like, Oh yeah, this class is over. Let's just meet downstairs at the cafe and let's just keep going. (laughs) Right. Like that'd be sick. Yeah. I met with one of the girls from this group and we talked for five hours. It was meant to just be like a 30 minute call kind of thing. And it went on for five hours. Yeah. 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 I was like, that would have been perfect. If right. You know, in like, in like some kind of, yeah. In some kind of like, you know, community center. Exactly. Kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that's, that's super cool because I've always thought about that. Uh, in fact, in one of my college classes, uh, they talked about, I don't know why we, had, it was probably one of my like general education classes, but it was actually pretty, it was a cool class because they talked about this, right. As far as like a public health thing, it's like good for public health. Yeah. Right. You kind of work and you work, you can walk to work, you can bus to work, then you come and everything's just kind of right here. You don't have to travel a lot. It reduces emissions. Um, Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to that. And then obviously I don't see why those wouldn't work because now we have the internet. And so if you want to meet somebody outside of this, right, you just go hop on one of these classes or, or you go hop on Twitter and you just start, you know, I I mean, I use Twitter as a search engine almost. I just start typing stuff in going and, and using, you know what I mean? commenting on people's no, stuff. No, I, I don't know stuff. what you mean. Explain that to me. Oh, what yeah. So, so you know, you go, I use Twitter as like a search engine. So like uh, to comment on people's stuff. So um, have you ever read, have you ever read, uh, you know who Gary Vee is? Yeah. Yeah, obviously. We know. Have you read his book, Crush It? No. Or Crushing It? Okay, it's on the list. Okay, yeah, you need to go. You need to go yeah. read. You need to go read. Well, so Sean talks about one, he talked about one of his books. So I'm a reader. Like this is the first shelf. And then, it, and my bookshelf goes all the way up and then I have yeah. a little library downstairs. Right. But, uh, so he talked about, Sean talked about, uh, jab, 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 right hook. Yeah. And that's, that's, uh, so you, I mean, that's a great book because he talks about just it's give, 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 give. And then it's a, it's an ask. Um, but you can't ask if, you know, and in sales, they, anyway, it's just the same principle of like deposit and then withdrawal. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, um, Oh, oh, uh, one second. Hold on. This guy, my, uh, my homie is, and I need to send this to him because if I don't, he'll, he'll beat me up. So anyway, Twitter is a search engine. Um, so yeah, I go onto Twitter and I'll be like, Hey, if you want to find something, you just go on there. Like I have a business podcast, so I want to, and I want to comment on other business podcasts so that we can kind of grow this thing. Uh, so I'll, I'll just type, you just type in hashtag business podcast. And if somebody put it on there and then, and then it's a text thing, right? So if I just type in podcast, it'll, everybody who, ha, who has podcast in their tweet, it will pop up. Like their tweets will pop up. Like in Twitter? Can, yeah. Like in Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what? uh, like if I was like, like if I hop on right here and I, and I go, 
and I go into Twitter and I type in podcast in the search, right? Yeah, you can see like right here on my phone. Maybe it'll, maybe you can see that. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's like bolded? Yeah. And so everybody who had podcast in their, uh, in their, (laughs) in their thing, you can use it as a search engine now and you can just start. So it's good for like, so that's how, that's what Crush It is about, right? Crush It is about Gary V. Like he, Gary V started out in wine. Yeah. And so to build his wine community, to build wine library, he wouldn't like advertise. He would spend like two or three hours on Twitter and he would just type in wine mm. and search it. And everybody who talked about wine, he would just go comment and he wouldn't try to sell anything. He wouldn't tell, he wouldn't start with like, Hey, Gary V from wine library here. Notice you were asking about, notice you were asking about uh, Pinot Grigio. Yeah. I run a wine thing. Let me tell you, he would just be yeah, like, Hey, yeah. Pinot Grigio is awesome. Blah, 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 blah. And then they, and then he would do that enough and people would be like, Oh, this guy knows a lot about wine. Click. Oh, he, Oh, well, I, obviously. And then they would just, and that's how he blew it up. Right. Yeah. I think one of the, um, one of the things I do admire about Gary Vee is uh, like for a lot of the things he was, mm, I don't know if you would use the term pioneer. I could use that. Yeah. I could yeah, maybe say a like pioneer, like email lot. marketing. Like people weren't doing that, that kind of stuff back <laughs> then. Right. Right. It's like, you know, what, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah. But um, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of that's cool, but I like that idea, dude. Sweet. So that's what you do. So you're focused on, ah, cause when you're, t- that's, that's really funny. The other thing is like, so the company is called Sweet, right? And every time I've explained afterwards, <laughs> they'll always, someone will always like subconsciously say Sweet. Yeah, well, it is, dude. And, and you were talking about prefab. They just did an Amazon warehouse right next to where I live in Salt Lake City. They, it was all prefab. They threw that thing up quick yeah. and it is ginormous, bro. It's not a small, it's like, so I live right next to the Salt Lake City International Airport. And there's, first of all, there's like three. And I think Amazon actually gave the city of Salt Lake some money so that they could, you know what I mean? Like we'll build up your airport yeah. because they took like three or four hangers in that international <laughs> airport. Dude. dude, it's, it's free. But so between Amazon and FedEx, the dude, the Salt Lake city airport, I mean, there's obviously it's international and there's a lot of like commercial and international flights going on, but there's a whole side that's just Amazon and FedEx freaking un- it was um this is like this is kind of lowbrow but uh yeah there was like one of these family guy episodes where stewie was talking <laughs> about how the oh yeah brian the world's just the world's just fedex boxes like it's just amazon boxes that's all it is now <laughs> dude it is though because it it, dude that amazon thing's right next to us so when i go on my amazon it's like <laughs> you want same day delivery oh it's right there it's, yeah it's right there i can just go pick it up if i wanted to some some of, some of them like some of them i you know, but yeah, we are not far away, at least in this little town that I live in, the suburb of Salt Lake. We're not far away from same day drone, drone shit landed on your door, bro, from Amazon. We're the drone part of um, Amazon's delivery like collapsed, eh? I don't know if it did. I, I just know, I just know that they were talking about it. I'm sure they haven't figured it out because funny story about drones, right? So I met, uh, she was on my podcast. She wrote a book about, she was on my podcast for writing a book. Um, but her name is Amanda Weaver. And what she did in her, like her full-time gig was she was, she worked for hospitals and she was heading up a project uh, to like uh, do drone delivery for hospital equipment. So like, you know, um, 
we have a big university hospital in Salt Lake, huge, and they supply a lot of a lot of the stuff for everybody else. So you know when somebody gets life flighted to a heli to by a helicopter to yeah. a big hospital. Yeah. So they they reversed it. They were like, well, why don't we stop life flighting people? Yeah. Because in America that bankrupts people. Right. <laughs> Taking an emergency, you know, yeah. taking an ambulance ride yeah. is so twenty grand. Right. So so we'll just we'll reverse it. Yeah. We can get a drone to you. We can get a drone of everything you need for whatever you need in in, in ten minutes. Within mm. you know, within this area, we'll have a drone in 10, 20 minutes, you'll have it. You have enough stuff on on hand. It's like it's like a reverse ambulance, right? Yeah. Like you have enough stuff on hand to stabilize somebody. And in the meantime, if you can make it 30 minutes anywhere in the state, if you can make it 30 minutes, we'll have everything you need by drone. And that's what she was working on. And I was like, dude, freaking unreal. But she was talking about all the permits and FFA and, and uh, you know, all these crazy things that she had to do to get through it. So it never went through. And then the pandemic hit and they were like, you know what? We can't do this right now. Yeah. <laughs> so they put it on hold, but I'm like Damn. drone delivery. If you can figure it out, dude, yeah, that might be the next Amazon. Is you know, delivery. It, my when I saw like their whole drone thing, what I read was like their drone department kind of imploded. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, okay, so, so you're gonna have like this plethora of you know these drones lying around. Um, one of these ideas that I had was, I don't know if this company was called Atmos or Atmos, one or the other. I think they had a. They had like a massive, massive blimp. Like I'm talking, I cannot stress yeah. the word massive blimp. Um, it's like bigger than a freaking hanger kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and I think it was called Dragon. And so this thing had a crazy carrying capacity and it was autonomous. And so it was meant to like fly in, you know, like it, it would be the the red cross kind of thing. You would just drop this in Haiti and then, you know, equipment. Yeah. My, my idea was you would take that drone, uh, that, that blimp, you would pack it full of these drones and each of these drones would carry a bomb, like a, like a fire retardant bomb. And then instead of doing like water bombers, which you need to just dump the water on forest fires and then fly away. And then reload and then come back and do it again. You would just have a blimp that just like, it's just here. And then imagine like swarms of drones fly out. Yeah. And it's all computer like regulated. So right. well, yeah, you're not losing like pilot. You can fly the thing at night and like water bombers can't fly at night because they, they have no depth perception. Like you can't see altitude. Yeah. So you just fly this to fight forest fires and this thing has massive carrying capacity. So it can carry like, I don't know, like 20 times with a water bomber can yeah dude so you need that. Jesus to uh, fight forest fires we need that on the west coast bro of the United i know right States, dude we're, we, need mean, it. we need it here vancouver got are you, are you yeah did, are you guys bro we had a we had a day last week that i woke up and i thought the fire was outside my door man like our our 911 operating they said like actually went down for a minute because everybody was like my there's a fire nearby but it was the smoke from california oh no shit Dude, it was yeah bro it was insane it was unbelievable oh, uh but anyway that's that's really cool dude when you said hold on when you said we work and airbnb had a baby i wasn't ready for what you said because i was thinking oh dude you're making you know you know you we work right you go to we work and it's a uh, 
WeWork's expensive. Yeah. Th- those kind of, those yeah, kind of working yeah. things, they're expensive, dude. They are. Like, even if, if I wanted like a, you know, even if I wanted a desk, like just a shared desk was, you know, that's expensive and I'm not guaranteed to have it because if somebody else is there, I can't use it. So when you said we work Airbnb, I was like, Oh dude, you're doing like, like I don't, and I don't need a desk for a day. Like I'm just a remote worker. Like I can work at home, but today I just need to get out of the house. Can I rent this for a day for like 20 bucks? And I was like, that'd be cool. But anyway, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That That's a, you know, cause I don't want to rent an office for like 500 bucks a month that I don't really need every day. Yeah. But if I could hop on an app and be like, Oh, this guy's got, you know what I mean? Oh, they, I just need it for one day. Can I just come like hotels were doing that during the pandemic? They were just, they were renting rooms for like, just, just you awful. need a room for like eight hours. Like you don't need to stay the night. You just need a room to like work in. Right. Cause you need to get out of your house. Hotels were doing that. I don't know how much it costs, but Interesting. I remember seeing, I remember seeing, uh, billboards for that. Oh, get out and need a place to work down in your house. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure there's like, I'm sure there's a bunch of businesses that, uh, I, I think Sam and Sean probably mentioned a, a few on the pod, uh, about just like people with, you know, uh, an empty garage that they would retrofit for an office and then go ahead and like use my garage for the day. There's, there's all of those kind of like fractional, you know, I'll go rent out my pool. I'll go whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I did. I met a guy, I did taxes for a long time. I met a guy who rented out damn near everything that he had, bro. He rented out his RV, his side-by-sides, his garage pad. (laughs) In fact, uh, one of our companies, so Utah is this really weird place where like tech is booming. Like it's kind of taken over. It's really weird. But we, uh, one of the companies here is called Neighbor. And that's their whole business thing is like rent your neighbor's unused or like make money off your unused oh, space in your garage. Okay. Was like, there, was there like, was there this app? I think it was uh-huh. like, I, I sort of got yeah, it. Was called like, yeah. It might be called neighborhood. I think there was this app when you said neighbor, my thought was this app where like it would use geolocation to figure out who your neighbors were and it would oh, tell yeah. you which neighbors are on this app. And then you all add each other to like your little block thing. And then you oh, talk yeah, shit yeah, neighborhood. about other neighbors. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's an app. That's an app. Because <laughs> I'm on that too. They, you like, whenever you move, they know. And oh, they that's hilarious. You. But they do, they do talk. I don't like, there's a bunch of Karens on there, bro. <laughs> I don't like that app. Because I'm like, you know, because they're not, you know, like every once in a while I'll go in there because somebody's like, hey, there's been a string of like break-ins in your car. Like, be careful. <laughs> and I'll go, okay, where is this at? Okay. It's not by me, but, but you know, most of the time it's like, you know, if you have a three-year-old, you need to get it. I'm like, get out of here, bro. Get the fuck out of here. You (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I'm like, get out. You you know what? You know, what's really weird is, um, let me tell me if this is just me. Okay. You you just talked about Karen's, right? I I learned what Karen's were like probably this year. (laughs) I, I had no idea what, what a Karen was. I'm like, okay. There's, okay. You're saying like a, a group of people who are called Karen, like, no, 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 no. So I go, yeah, right. So I got it. And so there's like, you know, a subset of, of Karens who are just overtly sensitive to like any little thing. I think I saw yeah. this thing of, uh, of a Karen who chastised this black woman for having a Winnie the Pooh flag. Oh, yes. They do right? that. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So there's Karen. Like Karen. And then on the other side, it, um, I, was at a, I was at a party the other night 
and um, we were talking about like Gen Z and how they're uh, just yeah. woke. That was another thing that I learned right. about being woke. And, and so I feel like there's just like this, this spectrum where I don't think it's good to be overly woke. Sure. I, I feel like that's, mm, I think I'm like warding that bad. There's like nothing wrong with being woke, but to have to cater to like every single you know, I, I can't say this well, because like, you're a woman, that. but like, are you a woman of color? Or like, can, can I say that you're a woman of color? And like, am I being misogynistic yeah. and blah, blah, blah? Yeah, well, it's that. Uh, that's a, well, so actually in our course, somebody brought up that paper. Oh, Sean brought up that paper. Like, fuck, fuck me once. once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, did you did you read it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, dude. I mean, that explains this whole thing perfectly. I feel like because it's like you want to be respectful. Like, I do. Yes. I You know, I'm Polynesian. I grew up with like the exact opposite. I don't look Polynesian at all, but if you right. saw my, but if you saw my mom and my grandpa, totally different story. You'd be like, Oh yeah, that's all why that's I've had friends tell me that's not your mom. Like you were adopted. Like, no, my dad's Russian and I got my white skin from my dad. You know what I mean? Like you don't look Polynesian enough. I have a, right. big, I have a big Polynesian tattoo. One, one, I had a girl go, uh, yeah, that's cultural appropriation. And I go, what are you talking about? And she's like, you're not, you don't, you're not Polynesian. And I go, that's interesting. And it's this, it's this woke. This is what you're talking about. This is the story you're talking about. It's this woke white girl who's like, you're not Polynesian. And I go, that's interesting. Like, what does a Polynesian look like? And she's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I'm just curious. You said I didn't look like one. I want to know what they look like. And, And she was stunned. And I was like, I actually am. I am Hawaiian. My grandpa's Hawaiian. He was born in Hawaii. He doesn't, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I was like, according to you, he looks like a Polynesian. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what you're saying. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's the, that's the story. When, cause I have that conversation with people like, of course you want to be respectful. And especially what, what's been, what was going on in 2020 in, in uh, the United States with the George Floyd protests. I mean, right. I was on, I was on, I mean, we were there, you know, <laughs> I, and, and, uh, and just, just protesting with friends. And I learned a lot that year and stuff like that. And uh, I, I didn't go to the protest because um, I had babies and that was just a little scary with babies. Um, just a lot going on with, with young kids there. So I didn't go, but I was, I was there. And, uh, but yeah, dude, here's the funny thing is like, there's no, you're not just because you're woke doesn't mean you're safe. Like meaning that mm-hmm. you could still get canceled. Like you see all these woke people like uh, woke, 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 woke. And then, somebody, you know, quote, more woke than them find something on these guys. And now you're not anymore. You know what I mean? Like that's how I've seen that on Twitter quite a bit where it's like this guy, this guy's five minutes are, have been like three terms. I literally learned this year. Whoa. Canceled and like Karen. (laughs) Yeah. I knew none of this. Well, it's, well, no, it's just big and it's big in the U S dude. Like it's just big. But, but I understand what you're saying because you want to be respectful. And I think there's just that medium where you just, you want, you just let people be people like, um, you know, you just, you know, you accept people for who they are and and you let, and, and I also realized that there's some battles that people need our support in that, that I might not be need People need my support, but they don't, but I'm not on the front lines of it. So like Mm. feminism, for example, right? Like, I have a dog, like I'm a man. I, I don't know that I'm not like, you know, misogynistic, 
but I have a daughter. And so I realize now that like, I need to use my platform to help, help lift the voices that are fighting for the the things that I believe in. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I might not be, I might like, I have not, I can't be on the front lines of feminism, but I can help. And so it's like, it's like this happy medium, like you're saying, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And uh, so, yeah. So it's interesting that you brought that up though, because there's a lot of that on Twitter. And so I, you gotta be careful who you follow on Twitter. Bro. <laughs> I I made the mistake of, uh, of like participating. I like, I wrote, I, I commented on a tweet and that, that that went so quick. And, and I just like that, that hurts. That stuff, like you don't, they're mean, bro. They're mean. And you don't, they're mean and they don't care. No. And they don't care, bro. It was this, it was this guy who was like saying, you know, an average of, I think it was like 44% of Americans um, will only use debit. They refuse to use credit. Okay. And so okay. he breaks it down. It's like, and, and so he's polling his audience. Is it, is it fear-based? Like, are you afraid of getting into debt? Sure. Or like, or what is it that you don't use a credit card? Okay. And so this, uh, this girl responds, um, I've just, I, I never believed in credit. There's no reason for me to ever use credit. I use my debit for everything. Okay. And, and so I'm like, okay, that's interesting. Um, I want to learn more about this because like, that's not how I, that's not how I live my life. Um, sure. I'm at this point where, you know, you're, you're, when you set up a company, I'm not, you know, I'm not Scrooge McDuck. I don't have a vault full of cash, <laughs> but, right? Like you, you, I need yeah, to yeah, leverage yeah, yeah. debt in order to build something. So I'm asking her, um, I get that for like everyday things. You know, you're going to groceries, you use your debit card, you use cash, whatever. Sure, sure. Um, I'm assuming that you're going to plan on buying a house. When you buy this house, are you going to use cash? And her response was, no, I don't use cash. I use debit and my cash is stored in a bank. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, you don't know what you're okay, talking about. Right? <laughs> I, I get it. What yeah, I yeah. meant to say was, I might have worded it poorly. What I meant to say was, are you going to like, are you going to take out a loan for your house? Exactly. And it was yeah. like my literal verbatim, what I said was, I think I worded it poorly. Um, when I said liquid, it was just like cash was just whatever you have liquid that you can use to go buy something. Right. Right. Um, are you going to use cash as a medium that you can hold in the bank or are you going to take out a mortgage? Yeah. And then this, like these accounts, just like, it's like, Way to be a bro. <laughs> this is how bro culture starts. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, they called you out for like mansplaining or something. Right. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's ridiculous. It, oh, that's ridiculous. man. How do you have any dialogue? How do you? <laughs> right. That's the problem. That's the problem oh, we run man. into, right? It's like, you know, it, Twitter lacks the, lacks the, the inflection and the tone, right? Like you can say, and they can totally read it wrong. You know what I mean? And uh, that's the point though, dude. That's exactly why it's, and it's just like, it's mostly people who, it's, it's, it's a hard thing to say, dude. Like um, the people who are attacking aren't really like, they don't really know. They're not the people who most of the time, they're not the people who are like, whenever that's happened to me, it's been like a white girl telling me something yeah. or like a white dude. And I'm like, no, no, no. I want to understand I don't need to talk to you. Like, like I'm half white, half Polynesian. Right. I, 
I want to talk to this. I want to talk to my friend and I really want to get his opinion. I don't need your opinion. <laughs> like, you know, uh, cause most of the time it's those guys. And yeah, dude. And there's, that's why like, you gotta be careful with your Twitter feed. Like I, I've been really intentional about who I follow and who I don't, cause I don't need that dude. I don't really care. like if, if we're going to have a conversation like that, it's not going to, if you're going to have a conversation like that with me, it's not going to happen on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. It's not, I just tell people straight up. Like I, I'm not, I'm not going to argue with you on Twitter, bro. And I don't, I don't comment. I'm just like, Okay. That little, that little, little experience, minutia of a, of a blip in time gave me so much perspective and respect for, you know, like I shill an influencer so much, you know, (laughs) like there was a poll that came out that said something crazy, like 80% of high schoolers in America want to be an influencer as an inspiring career. I'm like, you know, I remember a time when like, you know, you want to be an astronaut or like a, a mathematician, a physicist, a yeah. doctor, whatever. And it's like yeah, 80% sure. of your population today wants to be an influencer. And I just, <laughs> I just like, there's shit on this, on this demographic. I'm like, y'all screwed. Yeah. But then yeah. on this flip side to see this like completely polarized spectrum of, of, of human interaction and, be, and to be able to just like have this platform where you're just presenting albeit probably a curated version of yourself sure, that you think sure. people want to see, but uh-huh. you, you stand there and then you just take this like onslaught. Of, yeah. Cause everybody's a critic and everybody right? thinks they, they know what's going on. And like, and here's the funny thing is like, um, Twitter just gave people a platform who've never had a platform before. Uh, and it get, and then, and then you add in this kind of like this cancel culture where it's like, oh, well, now I can finally have a voice because now everybody wants this guy canceled. And if I say that, if I say the right thing that what I think these people like, then I have some, then I have some validation. You know what I mean? And there's no room in this kind of, in this space for growth. You know, you can't say, you can't go, you know what I was like for me, for example, I say this all the time. Like I was a kid and I was dumb. I grew up in Iowa. Right. And so I had a lot of things that I had to like relearn in my adulthood. I grew up and I was like, that's, I probably shouldn't have done that stuff. You know what I mean? But if somebody found out they, they don't care. Like, yeah, but when he was 15, he did this. And they're like, yeah, dude, but I'm not, I don't even listen. I don't even look the same. Yeah. (laughs) Like, yeah, I don't even look like you can't put a 15 year old me and me right now together. You wouldn't, you wouldn't believe it. Right. I had hair. I was skinnier. You know what I'm saying? You know, I didn't have any face. I didn't have your hair here. I'm just saying you can't do that to people. You got to let people grow and you got to let people apologize. Like you got to let people go like, Hey dude, I messed up. I, I believed a lot of stuff that I shouldn't have believed and I'm going to write the course and I'm going to try to get better, but it doesn't exist with these, with, with this, that group, with these, with these groups. It's like, yeah, so but when you were, actually, um, this is a this is a good kind of issue challenge, but good segue. You know, recalling you saying that you read a lot. Yeah. Um, have you read Naval Ravikant's Almanac? No, it's on my list though. Okay. Never read it, it yet. You, you should. It's a it's quick read. Uh, you can get through it. The first half, you know, he talks about wealth. The second half, he talks about happiness. And I feel like a lot of this has already been. I mean, it's all on Twitter, but sure. Um, basically, he. When he talks about wealth, he frames it like money, making money is a skill, nothing more, nothing less. 
Yeah. And so okay. once I've learned that, then the theory is that Navalin, if he was in a thousand parallel universes, Navalin 999 of them would be rich because he knew how to do this, right? Yeah, yeah. And one of the fundamental things that he talks about is uh, the framework of, of how to do this is uh, you build something that society needs but doesn't know how to get, and you do that at scale. Yeah. Right? And then you do this in industries or sectors where you can play long-term games with long-term people. Right. And a little subsection of that tucked in there he says like take more risks because um you'll be surprised with like the kind of leniency that society will give people who act with high accountability good judgment and good ethics mm. and so like it's interesting i want to hear your take because a part of and maybe not but like what i see is a part of taking this risk and um what he talks about is the age that we're in you can leverage permissionless permissionless leverage and yeah. what that means, you know, you build with code. You don't have to ask people for permission. You can build media, which is what you're doing. And then yeah. you just have content and then that will generate income. And to do that, you need an audience. Yeah. And so you're putting that out there. And then it's just like, well, I'm taking a risk. And then you're just getting all this flack. Sure. So for, for people who are either trying to build businesses or trying to build platforms, what advice would you have? Yeah, dude, for people who build like, so a podcast or, or like a, a good example is like, so my podcast and like, I, I'm a sales guy. I have like a nine to five, but I also do um, like, I help people. I help people. I teach people how to sell like on the side before this job I currently had. I, I was a sales trainer for a big company um, and I just trained our new salespeople. And uh and yeah, dude, all the time you get flack, bro. Like you don't know what you're, you know, you don't know what you're doing or, uh, but I actually get the most flack from the name of my podcast, the thinking project. They're like, that's so vague. I don't know what it means. I think it's dumb or like, you know, uh, but how do I deal with that? And like, how do you prepare somebody to deal with that? Uh, yeah. Yeah. You just have to be real cool with yourself. I intentionally named my podcast, the thinking project. And it's a filter. Like the people who said they hated the name are because right. there's some people who listen to my podcast and I've had on my podcast. They're like, maybe you should think about changing the name and I'll listen to them because I respect them. They're like, you know, it's maybe you should uh, change your slogan. Like it says the thinking project, a podcast for the little guys. And, uh, and, and I'll listen to them and I'll talk with them and, and, and I've taken some of their advice and, and I've changed kind of like the wording. But uh, at the end of the day, like, you just got to know who you're talking to. Like, and you have to be real cool with yourself. You have to understand that, like, the people who shit on my name, on, on, the, on the name of the, the thinking project, I don't want them listening anyway. Right. They weren't. They, and and right. if you do listen, and if they do listen and they still, and they're haters, then cool, bro. You're just helping me out. Yeah. And that's okay. So one of the, one of the things, one of the best things I like about, uh, I learned, you know, in the past seven years is the the philosophy of stoicism and one of the things they teach is uh you just need to be focused on the truth so somebody says something to you and it's either true or it's not and if it's true then the truth can't hurt you the truth has no there's no there's nothing bad about there's nothing that can hurt you about the truth and if it's not true 
then you don't need to, then it's not true. And it can't hurt you because truth can't hurt you and not truth can't hurt you. So when somebody's like, you're thinking you're, the name sucks. Then I have to look at myself and I'm like, okay, is it true? No, I was really intentional about that. Here's my reasons why it's good enough for me. Right. So it's not true for me. Might be true for them. So then don't listen to it, bro. Go somewhere else. And so if, so it's not true, right. For me, uh, you need to change the name. Not true. Uh, so what do I do next? I just move on. I, I'm cool with it. Right. I'm cool with, and it does bug me. I will tell you that, you know, my, and my wife will tell you that, I'll go back. I'll be like this stupid lady on Facebook, you know? So, you know, I'll, I'll rant about it a little bit. I'm yeah. not saying I'm, I'm not saying I'm like this stoic, like never bring it up again. Cause I'll, cause, or, and sometimes I might, you know, I'm not perfect, but, but that's what I would say. Right. Is like for stoicism, what was the most impactful book? Oh yeah. You got meditations. Is that, I, or is okay, that so a letter I've, of Seneca? No, this is meditations. I've read okay. this probably four times and it's yeah. just every time it's still, it's Good. still hard. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's hard. It's, uh, oh, it's a hard read. What what translation are you reading? There's a translation. I see. I see penguin. I see penguin. But do you know who translated it? Martin Hammond. Okay, so I would read the Gregory Hayes translation. Awesome. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Let's that's again. So so yeah. There's different translations of it. Uh, I haven't read that one, but believe it or not, it's like the Bible. They're all different. So you're going to get a totally different message if you read like the the NIV versus like the King James. That's hilarious. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. The the Gregory Hayes translation has a better foreword that kind of sets up who Marcus, as much as we can know about Marcus, because I mean, the 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 journals that Marcus wrote, that was never meant to be published. Right? That's right. Yeah. He was, I mean, so he was writing it for him, bro. Like, of course, you know, so yeah. the funny thing about when you talk about like these Eastern or Hellenistic philosophies, symbolism is a huge thing. So on the West, on the West, Western hemisphere, we're architects, everything, you know what I mean? We're, this is where it's got to be. And I, and I know it, right. We're science, we're the scientific method. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. First of all, Eastern philosophies, very symbolic. So when you mix these two together, mm-hmm. that's what you get, right? Symbol, symbolism, like what does the symbol mean? It means whatever the author meant it to mean. You know what I mean? Like I could say like uh, faster than a speeding bullet. And I mean, and you know, and I could mean something like, and I could mean something totally different than if you said faster than a speeding bullet. You know what I mean? Because yeah. we're not using, we're using different contexts, right? Right. But you might, or you might say faster than a speeding bullet. And I, because you know, of where you're from and I might say, and this is just in general, like, I I don't know where you're from, uh, but I'm just saying like, you might say, you might have a phrase that's like faster than a speeding bullet. And I'm, cause I'm, and because I'm from Iowa, I might say, um, faster than corn growing or something like that. Like there was, there was a phrase like that. They're like, they're like, you know, he grew up faster than a weed. Right. Okay. But, but let's say for, let's say for example, we didn't have the internet and you said faster than a speeding bullet. And I said faster than, than weeds growing. Right. How do we, how are we supposed to know that means the same thing? Right. Cause one is obviously faster than the other, but we're, right. but we're telling this. So, so that's this whole thing about translation and symbolism. It's really hard to nail down exactly what he meant because it wasn't supposed to be written. What was the guy's name again? Gregory. Gregory Hayes. All right. So it's, it's a book. 
Uh, hold on. I actually don't think I have it up here. I think it's downstairs, but I was going to show it to you. It's, but it's a good one. The Gregory Hayes translation is is pretty good. Okay, that's the I'll one. That one up. Because I got into Stoicism through Ryan Holiday. Yeah. Okay. So those are the first three books I read, and then I read uh, the Tao Te Ching. I read um, the Tibetan Book of the Dead. I read Seneca and obviously Epictetus. Um, and that's you know. Have you read the um, Have you read the Surrender Experiment? No, but that sounds great. It's by uh, Michael Singer, and it just you know I I met this woman in a in a bar like three years ago and it was just this incredibly serendipitous i was there for like a business meeting with these two guys and then you know we were there for two hours and we finished (laughs) our business yeah and and out of my peripheral there's uh there's a woman and she's just sitting by herself she's minding her own business she's like not on her phone she's just like she's just (laughs) sitting she's just sitting there yeah and She's like, she's older. She's got like a very Audrey Hepburn <laughs> breakfast at Tiffany demeanor about her. She's just yeah, very yeah. poised. And I'm like, who in the hell is that? Yeah. Um, and so we're, we're getting up, we're leaving. I'm like, Hey, um, you know, I, I, I just got to ask what your name is. You know, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what I would talk to you about, but I just wanted to say like, you, you look, incredibly content with like your life yeah he's like oh i am <laughs> um when i have a seat uh, i can i can get you a i can get you um a glass of wine and so i i say goodbye to the to the other two guys and then i sat with her and we talked for like two hours and this woman was like the nicest woman uh she has a husband named brian and she <laughs> for two, i mean we didn't talk about her husband for two hours but yeah. Uh, in the time talking to him about her family and her husband, she did not say a single bad thing about him. Not, not even one. I was yeah. like, wow. I, I, great, so, I so respect that. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and we met a couple times after that. And um, she's like a life coach kind of thing. And she, she told me to read this book. And that was three years ago. And, and I never read it. Uh. Um, and now I'm picking it up today. Or, or, or now. And it, and it was so, it's like, I feel like these little moments in life where like the book will just find you when you're ready to absorb. It <laughs> oh yeah, say. yeah. That's so true though. Yes. Yes. Oh, it's gold. It's gold. Yes. Uh, Cause it sounds like without reading it, it sounds like the same thing. Um, uh, do you read Mark Manson? You yes. Like Mark Manson. Yeah, yeah. Okay. The subtle art. Yep. So the first chapter in the subtle art is don't try. Mm. And, uh, and he goes through like why, you know, you just don't force things. You don't try like, you know, you have goals and you work towards your goals, but you don't like, don't, we start forcing stuff. It starts getting away from you. Uh, like if you chase it, it'll, it'll run kind of thing. And, uh, uh, yeah, dude, that cha- that book changed my whole life. That really first, well, both of his books, the subtle art of not giving a fuck and everything is fucked a, a book about hope. Both of those books were like, Ooh, I don't the second one. That's a good one. Uh, that's a really uh, it. Mark Manson's an incredible writer. Yes. 
Yeah. So, so I would try to like, before Sean Peary's class, I was like, I got to try to write like these guys, like Ryan Holiday, Robert Greene, uh, Matt Tybee, you know, Mark Manson. I got to write like these guys. These guys are freaking sick. And then I was like, yeah. And then I go to Sean's class and he's like, yeah, too jargony to this. Too, you know, you want to make it plain. You want to have like an eighth grade. And I'm like, okay, this makes sense. Right. Like digital selling is not the same as like journalism. And so that's what I was trying to get. So I love the class. I thought it was, it was great for me to realize. What was, uh, what was your, like, do you have a big takeaway? Hmm. Yeah. I, I think I just like knowledge, dude. So was there one thing? No, I mean, it really put me on a path to learn about writing just in general and digital selling and copy just in general, gave me a lot of good principles. And, uh, it re- it reminded me that I can start like a swipe file and keep examples in my head and bounce things off and try stuff. Uh, but I just appreciated learning. You know what I mean? It was great just to learn uh, and, and, and learn stuff and like, and learn stuff and then t- talk to some of my marketing friends and there, and then being like, dude, I didn't think you knew that. Like, you know, I didn't think you went to mark school, like college for marketing. I was like, I did. And I took a, I took one class. That was shorter than shorter than what you had to go to college for. And it costs less than what you had to go to college for. And I, and now it feels like I learned just as much. So now I don't need a marketing degree. This kind of like takes it full circle <laughs> back to when at the beginning you were talking about like the future of education. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, man, the, I went yeah, to school for engineering. It. Okay. Right. Like I, I was, I mean, my dream was I actually cool. wanted to be an astronaut. So I did aerospace engineering. Like I specialized in robotics. And oh, wow. like, I, I wanted to, oh, I wanted shit. to get like launched up there. And I, and it was like in university, uh, when I was working on, um, kind of like nanofabrication. So I worked on like solar arrays for satellites. Okay. okay. The most boring thing. <laughs> it's just boring. And it was just like this lab with three guys and they just talked about video games all day and like, shoot me. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I, I get that for, you know, specialized things like engineering, doctors, um, yeah, you gotta probably that, yeah. accounts. You, you, you'd want to post education. Yeah, we had to do, well, all, all of my accounting degree was just law. Like we were literally, like I got like a mini law degree. Right. Because you had to know what you could, how you had to report stuff and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah. Like lawyers, doctors. Right. Yeah. Yeah, man. But when I look at like, what you need in life. Yeah. Probably one thing you should teach in high school is like financial literacy. (laughs) What is compound interest? Right? Like how do you, what is an APR? When you, when you get, when you get your first credit card, what do these terms mean? You should probably know that you should probably know how to file your taxes. Right. Probably know like what insurance is. You should, the number of people who don't know what a deductible is, is like mind blowing. Yeah, they're like, what? I thought my I haven't. I, I, I thought right that like takes like, it away. Like I have to pay a deductible. What? <laughs> and like, awesome. but in high school, you're like learning about mitochondria, right? And like the history of the Stalin War, and there's a time for you know existentialism and philosophy, and you can watch all that stuff on YouTube. Yeah, you don't need to go to college for a philosophy oh, for sure, man. But. Yeah, that's more and more what I'm what I'm seeing now. And like one of the things that they had on the on Sean and Sam's pod, I think, was when Steph came on. She was talking about um, this new 
law that was like, I, I don't know what it is because not in the States, but it was something like you could sell, you could market, I think, financial products. Like you could market Robinhood to a 13 year old. Yeah. Something like that. Like 13 to 17, you could, you can target them. Okay. And so okay. you would, so then the idea is you should launch a financial literacy app that gamifies all of it. So I think the medium or the yeah, methodology would be like, um, uh, fantasy yeah, no. stocks. Oh yeah. To like, to show people how they work. I was going to say there's a, there's an app like that. I don't know. I don't know if they gamify it, but they break it into nuggets for anybody to learn. Yeah. And they, and, and they kind of do, it's called roomy.org. I interviewed, um, I believe it's Tarek fancy roomy.org. He was on my podcast. In fact, he, his podcast will launch on Monday. I had an interview with him, but that's his whole thing. They're like, you know, you are your own credentials at this point. Like, well, I, I mean, and it's just obvious. Like I've, I've said for a long time that I think resumes are going away. Mm. Cause especially for some of these like sales, bro, I hired salespeople. I was like, I don't really care about your resume, dude. Yeah. Like I'll talk to you. And because of, because I know this product and I know the customer and I know the process, I'll tell you, I'll be able to tell within reason if you're good enough to sell, right? Because it's not for everybody and there's nothing wrong with that. And if you're not good at sales, it's not a big deal, dude. Just go do something else. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I never looked at a resume. I was like, stupid. Can you, cause, cause I hired people who were like, you never thought were, I hired a guy from the IRS who was like, you know, he worked at the IRS and I was like, and I, and I had my degree in accounting and I was like, if I would have looked at your resume before, um, if I would have looked at your resume before I interviewed you, uh, I would have, it would have been, you know, I would have said no, but he was a great salesman. Great. Yeah. Talk, great at talking to people. So I, and, I was, and so you can refine some of that and he ended up being great anyway. But yeah, that's the thing. It's like uh, going to uh, college for sales is stupid. No. How do you, <laughs> how do you go to college for sales? Dude, there's how a few, you, there's a few professional no. sales degrees. Yeah. Yeah. Come yeah. on. I don't even, I don't even like, like if they tell me that they're like, you should hire me. Cause I have a professional sales that's, degree. I'm like, that's nah. pure BS. No, yeah. that's I immediately bullshit. say no. Yeah. I'm like, you've spent no. four years. You, you spent four your- years. And I was like, okay. So I talked to this one kid. I go, okay. So you spent four years and you got a professional sales degree. He's like, yes. I go, what did you sell? He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, oh, I'm no. like, did you sell anything? Did you actually ask a customer to exchange a good for money <laughs> or anything? Might not have even been my, he's like, they're like sold stuff on, you know, Craigslist or whatever. I'm like, okay. Yeah. I don't care, dude. You spent four years not doing anything. I would have, I would take, a guy who had actually sold something with six months of experience before I took your four-year degree for sure. Cause he sells something. <laughs> yeah. That interview didn't go well. I was like, don't, oh, don't man. send any more of your people my way, bro. <laughs> I was like, I don't care, dude. If you can't sell something, if you have, you never, never talked, you know, if you've never influenced somebody to trade their money for what you, your good or service, I don't really care. And not sleazy. Like I'm not talking about like sales isn't sleazy. I'm not talking about, lying to people i'm like influencing people figuring out their their wants and needs and turning that into an exchange of goods that betters the economy did you do that no okay i don't really care <laughs> right yeah okay that's funny bro what do it's you fun, um, it's funny, dude. what do you think the um you know being in 
you're in Utah, right? You're mm-hmm. in Salt Lake City. Mm-hmm. And you, you see this kind of burgeoning tech coming in. Yeah, yeah, man. Um, the, the girl that I talked with in the cohort, you know, she's, uh, she's 23. Uh, she also did the same kind of degree I did robotics engineering and she does like simulation at a self-driving truck company. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So 23 incoming. Um, and she makes like low six figures. So like, you know, you're pushing one, one twenty as a, as a 20 year old ish. Like that's, that's really good. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. really good, right? Yeah, I'm like, okay. Um, I got a buddy, uh, got a trade certificate as an electrician, mm-hmm. two years. Uh, what do you think he pulls down? Oh, dude, wrong dude to ask that question to because I grew up in Iowa with welders okay. and plumbers and electricians. That dude probably makes high six figures, if not more. Yeah, he does like 375. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not a joke, bro. Those guys aren't. Those, I I know I know a guy. I have an uncle who's a lineman. They make crazy money. Stupid money, dude. <laughs> yeah, there. He's pissing hundred dollar bills, bro. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh man, stupid money. And good for him, by the way. Every time I see that, I'm like, good for you. Yeah. I'm like, I don't want to be a lineman, but I'm I'm happy for you. I'm genuinely happy. Yeah. I. I and when somebody's like, oh, you know, this, the trades or whatever, I'm like, dude, you can, bro, that's never going away. I don't, you can't, you can't, you might be able to like automate some of the stuff that plumbing does, but you're definitely not getting rid of plumbers, bro. No. You got to know the science. I mean, yeah, that's yeah. a science, you know, yeah. like they, they go and my dad was HVAC. Right. Uh, heating, heating and air. Yeah. Yeah. He did great, dude. Yeah. And there's like science behind that. All the, you know, why did this break? And then my dad's talking to me about science. I'm like, I didn't realize how technical, you know, you know water pressure, how does water flow? Well, obviously this isn't yeah. working because yeah, it's, you know, and I'm like how all these things work. I'm like, they're a lot smarter than you think, dude. And, and I'm not saying that to like demean what they do. I'm just for the people who don't know, like plumbers and electricians are extremely intelligent and <laughs> They're not a joke, dude. It's not There's a joke. this meme about um, this like kid in a collared shirt who sits at an office job and he's like shitting on a plumber, right? <laughs> yeah, like no dude, pun yeah. intended, but right, and it's, right, it's right. just funny because you know that plumber probably makes Triples, triple, triple, right? Yeah. And it doesn't matter. And, and it's you want to like, yeah. Sorry, it's it's this like societal. I don't know what you call it. Like you, you just conflate titles with. Yeah, bro. And, and it doesn't make any sense. Cause you want to hear the hardest flex, bro. When my dad was in HVAC, he would tell me these stories and I have friends who are welders and who are linemen and stuff like that. Do you like my dad would, would work. He would, you know, back then they had pagers and if somebody's, you know, yeah. if it was Christmas, he had the truck or whatever. And, and he was on call. Right. right. So, oh, you miss Christmas and stuff and you've read LinkedIn and everybody's like, I'd never do that. Do you know what it costs for some, your, your heater goes out in the middle of Iowa Yeah. and you're in the cornfield. Yeah. It was for my dad to pick up and answer the phone. It was $200 (sighs) just to, I mean, dude, like they would put their credit. I mean, they would put their information in before they talked to my dad and it was boom. He the minute he answered that call was 200 bucks. And then if he went out there, it was more, you want to hear the hardest flex, bro. Call a plumber 
call a heater, call an HVAC guy when it's negative 10 degrees and your heater just went out. That's a flex, bro. Yeah, that they'll they will charge you <laughs> more money than you than you even knew was possible. You know, you talk about doctors make 300 bucks an hour. Yeah. HVAC guys in the middle of winter make 300 bucks a minute. Yeah. And that's I'm not exaggerating. Yeah. <laughs> call, call your air conditioning guy when it's 120, when it's 105 degrees and your AC just went out. <laughs> My Because um... I'm on your side, bro. That's what I'm saying. That dude. Yeah. Like you're fancy, fancy financial analyst for Goldman Sachs making hundred K. Right. You got nothing on these guys. You got nothing on these guys. <laughs> my my girlfriend's dad um is it's pretty much done. They've built like yeah. this um this like I'm gonna call it it's not a compound, but like to me it's a it's this massive, <laughs> massive place, like fifteen thousand square feet. She's got okay, a family, cool. she's got four siblings, you know, mom and dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, this is their forever, this is a retirement, this is this is it kind of thing. And it's out in wine country. Okay. And, um, so we, her and I were there for, uh, for a week and it was just, it was just her and I. Right. And I always yeah. had this idea of, you know, as a kid, you're, you're going to have a mansion and you're going to walk around like you're the, you're the talk of the town. And we, we stayed in that like 15,000 square foot home. And it was just, yeah. it was, it was awful. You know, you're playing, yeah. you're playing hide and go seek every minute. <laughs> right. And so we just hold up in this like one little section of the home. And like, that was our place. And that was, that was fine for me. That was perfect. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, while we were there, um, as they're just like getting set up, they still have to do the landscaping. So there's these like four guys who come in every morning at 6am to start landscaping. Yeah. And um, the guy, I think who was the foreman who, who ran the whole thing. I think his name was Porter. And so he had these four, four kids like working from every, anywhere from like 16 to 21 years old. Yeah. And I talked to one of the guys, his name was Zach. He's 21. He's like doing 18 bucks an hour. He's like, oh, this is a perfect life for me. And he's showing me off. Like he's showing off his tan to me. He's like, bro, I'm basically getting paid to tan right now. And so he's just like moving these plants around, you know, shoveling yeah, a little dirt. Yeah. And I'm like, you must sleep really good at night. <laughs> And he's like, yeah, bro. You know, I'm here from six to three. Take my little lunch break. Yeah. Planting, planting little trees, watering them all day, mowing some lawns, go get some brews <laughs> with my buddy at four. You know, I'm in bed by seven, eight. I'm like, yeah, this again. And it's just like such a healthy way. I was like, where do we, where, where in society did we come to this road? And then we're just like in the city working ourselves to the ground yeah and then and then we still shit on these guys who like have it made <laughs> yeah i don't know dude oh, uh, man. like i said bro i'm from iowa and a lot of my friends went to trade schools i mean and and we're in the heart of the midwest yeah this is where all the farming manufacturing uh assembly all that stuff all the prefab stuff that you were just talking about all yeah. come most of it comes from the midwest um food corn a lot of it and so that's where i grew up dude i just i just didn't like that like it wasn't for me but but i but i dude i respect i got buddies making more money than me doing hard work bro and doing good work uh anyway bro i i've taken a lot of your time dude but i appreciate our conversation man it went great it was great dude it that's was fun. it was fantastic so um you're building this company uh where where can people find it? Find out more about it. Where can people go to learn more? Yeah, what's we're up? Like, call it stealth, but let's uh, being real here. I'm 
I'm still waiting on funding, but um, in terms That's of like cool, launching right? the site, um, site should be launching by the end of this month. So like we have a V1 up, but uh, it's not really the one I want to show. Company's called Sweet. <laughs> you can you can follow me on Twitter if you want. Um, there you go, dude. Uh, at Nicholas Kaning. And yeah, I'm not, I'm not super on Instagram or anything else. I, I can't, I can't believe that I'm on Twitter and that's where you can go to find me. I can't believe I'm saying that. Right on, dude. Good for you, dude. I got off of Instagram. I, I had to, wasn't good for my soul, man. Me too. But, uh, but uh, no. yeah, it wasn't good for my soul. So, uh, but yeah, dude, Twitter's a great place to be. Well, thank you, brother. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.